Hi, I'm Erwin McManus. I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country. And you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel. And you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app and get to the channel. And we'll see you there. So I want to welcome everyone in South Pasadena at the Rialto Theater. And uh, everyone who's watching in Mexico City and all over the world, we're so grateful that everyone's watching. And especially for you guys in New York who are watching us right now. Because MSC is going to be in New York Tuesday night. It's uh, going to be a really tight venue. So I know we have thousands of people who are connected to us in New York City. So get on the internet, connect to MSC, and get tickets. And just show up and let's have an amazing time together. It's going to be great. And by the way, hi to everybody here in Hollywood. And uh, I wanted to give you an update real quick before we dive into the scriptures. Because last week, in a very spontaneous moment, uh, one of our friends... uh, gave a challenge, and they said, hey, we'll give $25,000, or someone will match that $25,000, and so I said, sure, let's go ahead and see how that goes, and so last Sunday, I announced that, and it was amazing. I mean, uh, someone responded right away after the 9 a.m., and someone responded, I think, after the 10.30, and, and one person gave $25,000, another person gave $25,000, and then um, a third couple said, we'll give $25,000, but we want to challenge the people who challenged us to give $25,000 to get $50,000. If they give $50,000, we'll give $50,000, and so... They said, yeah, we'll match that 50000 We're going to give 100000 anyway. And so it was one of those great moments. And, and then through the week, people were responding. And, and, and then yesterday, I, I received one of the shortest emails in the world. Been out of town. Done. And they sent an attachment. They put $25,000 in the account last night. And I just want to give you an update. This is what's crazy, though. It's a total of eight people who have given and this is the total. We have received $300,000. And uh, it's just amazing. So just a couple of quick things. That's eight people. And I just imagine there's some of you here, maybe you missed last week. You missed this incredible opportunity. And I uh, <laughs> don't want you to feel like you've been left out just because you were out of town. And um, we, w- we will still receive $25,000 gifts, and uh, if you'd like to match the $50,000 gift, that would be epic as well. No one has yet matched the $100,000 gift, so maybe that's you, and that's why you're here today, among other reasons. And, and then I thought about the rest of us, because you may be here going, wow, I wish I could give a $25,000. I have a $25,000 heart, <laughs> and, uh, but I don't have a $25,000 wallet, and, uh, and, and, and the the couple who first challenged with the 25000 they actually said what we hope will happen is that everyone will get involved in giving, not just the people who can give a great deal of money. So I just want to throw this out. All right, so right now, that's $300,000 with eight people participating. Let's go for 10 people, you know, participating, maybe 1,000 people, maybe 3,000 people participating. And, and so I thought, all right, that's the total that, that we have after a week. So what, we'll do a challenge, or maybe you can give $30 or $3,000 if you can't give the twenty five, fifty, dollars or 100000 But what I want to challenge you to do is be a part of this, because we're doing really practical things. This is not just, hey, we're just raising money. 
Um, this is very, very practical. When we were expanding last night, we were at the Rialto Theater, probably over 1,000 people in there last night. When they asked who's here for the first time, 80% of the people raised their hands. It was incredible. And we've been sharing equipment between Hollywood and South Pass and Venice and, and just going rogue, moving things with one broken down truck from location to location. And, and it just damages equipment, just makes it hard. So we thought, we just need to buy the equipment for South Pass. We need to buy the equipment that um, we've given away from here. And we need to buy the equipment for Venice. And then there's just one other really, really awesome thing. This building was built in the 1950s. And uh, that's why there's no carpet. We stripped it because it was like death. And, uh, and, and we've been here seven years and we haven't really done anything to it because we've been renting it. But I love what uh, Andres said about ownership uh, because the, the owners of this property thought they're going to blow it up and build condominiums. And then next thing you know, Hollywood decides to make it a historical property and making it very difficult. And they want us, when they, we first came here, they didn't want us. Now they want us. And uh, so it's kind of crazy. And so who knows what God might do? We should act like we're going to be permanent residents here. And yeah, isn't that good? And so these chairs are maybe 70 years old. And, and they've been breaking one by one by one. And so we've been losing seating and losing seating and losing seating. And we probably should lose all the seating. But we didn't we just want to like pull the trigger on buying stack chairs, but we want to do this before Easter. We can actually get a thousand more people in here. And just from the gatherings we have right now, if we pull these chairs out and then put in stack chairs. So I checked on pricing on stack chairs so you can know they're $80 a chair. Well, that's the best chair. Okay. If, if like, if you want like a, wow, my butt really hurts chair, it's going to be like $25. Okay. If you want like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I, my butt feels great. It, it, it's an $80 chair. So we're going to be getting rid of these, putting new chairs in there. And your personal butt experience will depend on your generosity. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it's on you. And I don't sit in those chairs. I'm up here. So I, I'm, I'm good. I'm like, just get them from China. And uh, <laughs> You know, I don't care how they feel, but, uh, but somebody might. And you know, it's a crazy thing. People who are not quite open for God, stupid things matter. You go, I, I remember one time in a survey, the number one reason people didn't go back to church was the bathroom wasn't clean. Like, the creator of the universe is trying to meet you, but the bathroom wasn't clean. So, you know, and, and you, you know what I've learned? We should remove every non-essential barrier between people and God. And so that, it's, it's not about us. It's about other people. So that's my commercial. And uh, you can give online. You can give through the apps. Right? This thing is driving me crazy. And, and if you're going to give a large gift, don't give it through the app. Uh, just email us. And it's easier to do it electronically. That way there's no fees. Just straight up. One of the things I love about the scriptures is that some of the things that were written thousands of years ago have really direct correlations into the way we think and the way we live today. I, I used to love game theory. In fact, there was a, series, a season in my life where I would tell anyone, bring any game in the world, and they'd bring like these championship games from Germany and other parts of the world, and, and, and I'd tell them, look, I, I can usually break down a game and win it the first time out. All I need to know is what it looks like to win, and I need to go last. And one of the things I began learning very, really quickly is that it was really easy to win almost any game in the world if you have an abundance mentality. And my theory and my strategy is really simple. I would give everyone whatever they wanted. 
And, and, and in fact, you know, you'd hide your cards and hide your material and no one want let anybody else know. And I said, just tell me what you need. And I would just give, and, and they go, is it a trick? I said, no, just tell me what you need. If I have it, I'll give it to you. And I would just give it to them. And in fact, I have a friend of mine went down, we were playing one of these games, I think it was Settlers of Catan, and it was Scott Reynolds, and, and he, we had new people, and I said, just tell me what you need. He goes, don't do it. I don't know how he does this Zen thing, but, but you're going to tell him what you need, and he's going to give it to you. And somehow, he's going to win. See, what I began to realize is that most of us have this view of the world that it's really basically a zero-sum game. That, that for us to win, someone else has to lose. We have this view of the world that there's a limited amount of resources of things that actually matter. And so if we're going to get a bigger piece of the pie, someone has to get a smaller piece of the pie. And, and we, 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 we actually measure oftentimes our success by the fact that we can see someone who's less successful. How else can you know if you won if there isn't someone who lost? And, and one of the interesting things in the scriptures is that God tries to change our mentality from a limited resource mentality to an abundance resource mentality. That there's an unlimited amount of resources, the things that we need most in life. In fact, the things that are most valuable and most important, the more you give it away, the more you actually receive it. And so there's this interesting parable that Jesus gives us. It's in Matthew 25. I'm certain you've heard it, but I want to just focus on it because we're actually continuing our series on how to not be stupid. I don't know how long we're going to go in this series because there's a lot of stupidity to deal with. And so I'm going to begin in verse 14 of Matthew 25. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of God, speaking of that, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from them. I don't want to spend any time talking about the two who did well because they were wise. I want to focus on the third guy because he was stupid. 
Because he had an opportunity of a lifetime, and he missed it. Because, you see, he had a view of the world, not only that there was a zero-sum gain, but really, in the end, his life became a measure of a zero-sum value. See, what's to me fascinating is is that all three of these men were entrusted with an incredible amount of wealth that was not theirs by a master who was incredibly generous and trustworthy. And he trusted them with this resource. And then he went away. And I, I love that this is a parable about God and us. Because I think sometimes we think of God as like this, this, this cosmic micromanager trying to, to tell us everything we should do and, and, and discipline us every time we mess up. And, and, and really, he's the one who coerces us to, go, to do good. But here, the story is very, very different. The master simply gives you a resource and then goes away and trusts you to do good with it. And when he returns, he comes to settle accounts. And he says that he, he gave one five bags of gold, another two bags, another one bag, according to their ability. And so he never postured any of them for failure. He actually leveraged each of them for success. It wasn't that he loved one more than the other. It's that he understood every single one of them, and he gave them what he knew would allow them to live their optimal life, to bring their greatest value to the world. And when the master came back, he came to settle accounts and the first two, of course, multiplied what had been entrusted to them. But this, this third individual buried what was given him and did nothing with it. And he thought that that would be enough. But actually, when he buried that talent, he made a decision to live a life of zero-sum value. Now, this is what zero-sum value looks like. Now, here's the difficult and challenging thing. When you see the zero, what you might actually conclude is that a person is a zero. That they have zero talent, that they have zero ability, that they have zero intelligence, that they have zero opportunity. You might actually look at a person and say, oh, they're a zero because God was unfair to them, unkind to them. He was, he was not generous to them and, and didn't give them what they needed. Have you ever felt like God held out on you? That God held back on you. That that he was unfair because he gave someone else more intelligence, more talent, more opportunity. And then there's you. And you're the big zero. But the strange thing about it is that this parable is not about a person having zero talent, zero opportunity, zero capacity. It's about what they did with what was given to them. And really, they gave the master back exactly what the master gave them. Wouldn't you think that'd be enough? And yet the master does not work from a zero-sum value. He expected to get in return for what had been entrusted to them. So how do we keep ourselves from being a zero? Oh, and by the way, you ever notice that some people just seem to have everything? They're like really good looking. And, and, and then they're really good looking, so you go, at least they're stupid, but then they're smart. <laughs> you go, well, okay, at least they're not talented, but then they're talented. I mean, really, I don't know why, but David Beckham comes to mind. <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> why should that happen? See, to me, like, if you get to look like David Beckham, you should not be able to play soccer at a world-class level. You should... Get a choice. 
Do you want to be great at something, or do you want to look like David Beckham? And, but he gets all those. And then you're like, okay, he's really good looking, and he's a great athlete. Could he at least be stupid? But no, he can't even do that for us. He, he, he doesn't cooperate in any way. And you look at someone like that and go, that's just not right. Because really, if you look like David Beckham, all you need to do is just stand there. <laughs> and people look at you and go, wow, you're talented. <laughs> we live in a world where just looking good is a talent. People's entire careers are based on that. They're called supermodels. They don't even have to be the real thing. They can just be a model of the real thing. Think about that. I used to build models because models are small imitations of the real thing. And, oh, that's what models are. And then behind them, there's intelligence and talent and gifting, and it's so frustrating. But here's the crazy thing. You may have all of this talent, but all that talent in the eyes of God are just an endless number of zeros. Because you may be smarter than everybody else, more talented than everybody else, more gifted than everyone else. You may have more resources than everyone else, more opportunity than everyone else, better looking than everyone else. But if you're just living for yourself, the sum total is the same as the first zero. So how can we break this zero sum value? Well, first of all, you can see that you need to stop blaming God and take responsibility for your life. Because in 24, verse 24, it says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came... Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I I don't think it's incidental that when you unwrap what was going on inside of the man who buried his talent, is that the first thing he does is that he blames his master for his lack of courage, his lack of proactivity, his lack of initiative. He blames his master For the life he chose to live while the master was gone. I knew who you were. And it's because of who you are that I am the way I am. See, I don't know what's happened in your life. But one of the great dangers is to spend your life blaming someone else for who you are right now. Now, I know that not everyone has had a really, really beneficial history. Have you ever realized what a gift it is to be born into the right family? I mean, let's just be really honest. There are things that you have no control over that are an incredible benefit to you or an incredible challenge for you. Things that you have no control of. If your family is abusive and dysfunctional, you were damaged by that environment. You didn't choose that. If you're born in a healthy, loving family... You were actually jettisoned ahead towards success because of that. You did nothing to earn that. Just the color of your skin can affect whether you start ahead or behind everyone around you. It can be a benefit or a consequence. Just because you're the wrong ethnicity or the wrong color or the wrong nationality in the wrong place. And you didn't have any control over that. See, there's some of you here, you blame where you came from and what happened to you for who you are right now. And and one of the most difficult reasons it's hard to help a person through that is that you're right. It damaged you. It set you back. It was 
an unfair disadvantage in your life. But here's the reality. Just because it wasn't your fault doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. See, he... Come on, we can applaud that. I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering you have not scattered seed. I blame you for my life. I blame you for my choices. I blame you for my lack of proactivity. I blame you for my paralysis. And you know, you know one of the things that, that I think is so interesting? People who are atheists have no problem blaming God for all the problems in the world. In fact, it's why they oftentimes say, this is why I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God because there's so much suffering in the world. Why is it so easy to blame God for the problems and so easy to not give God the credit for all the good? I mean, you just don't see any atheist going, I want to be an atheist, but there's just so much beauty in the world, I have to believe. <laughs> just, just by the consequence of... How much love there is in the world. The the fact that people can actually forgive each other just compels me to believe in God. Why is it that we can blame God for everything that's wrong, but we don't seem to have any initiative to give God credit for everything that's good? And so here you have the servant blaming God, blaming the master for his life. But what's amazing here is that everything you know about this master tells us that he was wrong. I mean, think about this. This master gives them all a part of his wealth and then says, do with it what you want. And then he leaves. Have you ever had anyone trust you with their wealth and not give you any guidelines of what to do with it? That's a pretty generous person. That's a person who trusts you. See, what we can know about the master is this master trusted his servants more than this servant trusted his master. You know why? Because who you are is what you project on other people. He said the master was a hard, cruel man because he was a hard, cruel man. He determined the master could not be trusted because he could not be trusted. See, the master trusted someone who was not trustworthy because the master was trustworthy, so he projected trust on his servants. See, the reason God allows us so much freedom is that God is a trusting God. He's a loving God. The reason God gives us free will is that God is not a dictator. God is not maniacal. God is not trying to micromanage every choice in your life. God is actually motivated by love. And so he entrusts you with things that he should have maybe never trusted you with. And then you blame God because you didn't do what you should have with it. You need to stop blaming others. Stop blaming God. And we blame God sometimes because we don't want to openly blame others, but there's just too many of us blaming everybody else. We blame our parents, we blame the government, we blame our culture, we blame society, you blame your boss, and as long as you're blaming, you are not growing. You have to take responsibility for your life. What will you do with the life you have now? Oh, by the way, this this talent thing is a really interesting thing, because in this Translation, it talks about bags of gold, but the original, obviously, language says talents. There's someone that he was, they were trusted with five talents, someone with, with two talents, and one with, with one talent. And, and a talent is actually not, not a value or an amount. A talent is actually a weight, a unit. So you could have, let's say, a talent of gold, or a talent of silver, 
were a talent of bronze, and each one of them would have a different worth. A talent was about 75 pounds. So he gave the one who gave the least to 75 pounds of gold. And he felt like he was under-resourced. And God gave him responsibility for this. I think it's really significant that a talent is a weight, not a value. Because you will not be able to carry the weight of your talent if you don't have character. You have to take responsibility for your life and stop blaming others or you'll never bring value to the world. You will stay at zero-sum value if you keep blaming God and blaming others for your life. But you not only need to stop blaming others, you need to stop living in fear. Verse 25, he goes on, So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. I think this is an important dynamic. He says, I was afraid. And you might think he was afraid of the master, but there was no reason to be afraid of the master. You know what I've learned over time? Is that people are afraid, not because of the object, but because of their essence. When you're afraid, it's not because of the danger that's out there. It's because of the fear that's in here. I was afraid. And so his fear distorted his view of God. His fear distorted his view of the opportunity. He was entrusted with 75 pounds of gold. Just a little bit of invention, a little bit of creativity, a little bit of productivity, a little bit of courage would have actually allowed him to make such a profit. Who says that the one with one bag of gold couldn't have returned more than the one who was given five? Just because you start with five or you start with two doesn't mean you're going to actually produce a greater result than the one who starts with one. We always assume the one with five is always going to have the advantage. I want to be the one given one and surpass the one that was given two and surpass the one that was given five and to be so trustworthy that, that somehow God would give me more. See, you need to stop living in fear and take courage. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. He thought the best thing to do was nothing. The best thing to do was nothing. He goes, and then, so here's what belongs to you. And here's the mindset problem. He actually believed that what belonged to his master was simply what his master gave him. Not the potential of what was given him. See, if all you do is take what has been given to you and use it for yourself, your life is a zero-sum value. And you may look like you've created a lot of value, but the reality is there's a lot of people who look like they're just killing it, and all they're doing is consuming rather than creating. They're just taking from others rather than giving to others. But a lot of it is just fear-based. And I think sometimes you just have to do some things to break through your fears. And I've I've never shared this. I think it was about a year ago. Somebody here at Mosaic sent me an email saying, hey, I work on this TV show, and they have a part coming up, and I think you would be perfect for it. And, oh, that's great, you know. What's the part? It's the part of a pastor. Okay, all right, okay, you know. (laughs) 
I could play that, I think. I've been practicing that one for a while. And, and I played some other parts, you know, and I did better as an assassin. But, and uh, I thought, okay, I'll try a pastor. And, and you know, there have been things that I've done in the past where someone just says, hey, we just want you to do this part. Why don't you have this role? And so I thought, oh, okay, it's one of those. He goes, yeah, I just want you to meet the director and everything. So I did not know the day I went. I, I, they, I downloaded the script. It's just a little script. I didn't even look at it because I thought I was just going to meet the director. And, and then I walk into this building, and there are just all these actors. And a lot of them are dressed up like priests. I mean, they were like taking it seriously. And I realized, this is an audition. This isn't like a high meet the director, do the part. This is like, I have to audition for this thing, but I didn't prepare, and I didn't know it was an audition, and I don't have a priest suit. And, uh, and I could tell, I couldn't tell the difference between the priest and the pastor, and they were like so frantic in there, just going over the lines, going over the lines, going over, and I, and I, and I, and I kind of felt bad. I thought, I don't want this part, because these people, this is, what, this is what pays their bills. Like, I'm just here just to do something fun and enjoy it, and and, and I, I need to leave. That's what I told myself. You know, you know, I need to get out of here. And on top of that, I'm not even prepared. And you know, I didn't know I was going to audition. And I've never really auditioned in my life for anything. And, 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 and then I was about to leave. And I thought, you know, these are the people that I'm trying to help. These, these are the, the kinds of people. This is their life experience. And I'm trying to speak into their lives. So I think I'm just going to stay and just go do a bad audition. Right? Just stay and go in do the thing. So I went in, I sat down, and the director somehow knew me. I think the person from Mosaic told him, and he said, so you should be good at this, right? You, this is what you do. You're a pastor. And I go, yeah, you know, but what this pastor says is nothing I would ever say. And, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a little interesting. And, uh, and so they go, okay, read it. And, and, and I, I, did, I, I was horrible. Like, you know, I, I, didn't, I had to read the papers. I'd never seen it. And I'm talking to her, and it just, and you know what? They did not give me the part. And uh, not only did they not give me the part, they never even called me to tell me I didn't get the part. I didn't even get a console, like, like a consolation note from the person from Mosaic. I don't even have to go here anymore. They're probably so embarrassed that they're at a church where a pastor can't even get the part of a pastor. And, and, uh, but you know, one of the reasons I actually did that is, is that I had this overwhelming rush of fear. You ever feel that? That overwhelming rush of fear, you're like, ah, I think I just kind of like cut bait. And whenever I feel that overwhelming rush of fear, I go, oh, this is going to be a good line to go through. Because I'm, I'm going to be able to fail at this and know that it, it's not terminal. I can recover from this. See, what's amazing in this story is that the master trusted them. And he didn't, he didn't get angry because of what they were not able to do. He got angry because of what they were unwilling to do. God will never be angry with you because you failed, because you tried, because you gave it everything you had. But when you bury that talent, God has issues with you. So here's what happens out of that. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Don't you think that's a little overkill? Like I go, okay, you lazy servant. You unambitious servant. You apathetic servant. I, I think there's a lot of things I would use, but whoa, he opens with wicked. Like when I think of wicked, I'm thinking like something wicked. See, I think this is the problem. Most of us think wickedness is what we do, not what we fail to do. But here's an interesting insight on God. He thinks it's absolutely wicked when he's entrusted you with talent and intelligence he's entrusted you with an education 
an opportunity. And let me tell you, opportunity is a resource. When he's entrusted you with so much and you do nothing with it. When your life becomes a zero-sum value, God sees that as wicked. You have to see this from God's perspective of things. He says, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would receive back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. That always bothered me that he gave the one bag of talent to the one who had 10, not to the one who had four to give him five. Because in my mind, like, God's going to want, doesn't he want to make it even? No. God's not a socialist. <laughs> you know what God wants to do? He wants to give more to the person that he can trust more. He wants to give more to the person who will do more with what has been given to them. In fact, I love this translation. It says, everyone who uses what, has, what he has will get more. He will have much more than he needs. But the one who does not use what he has will have everything taken away from him. See, if you're going to break the zero-sum value, you need to stop blaming others and take responsibility for your life. You need to stop living in fear and take courage. You need to stop burying yourself and take ownership. Stop acting like you don't have something to contribute to the world. Stop acting like God has not given you gifts and abilities. Stop acting like you don't have enough to make a difference in the world. I mean, do you think that intelligence is static or dynamic? Do you think talent is static or dynamic? Do you, do, you, do you think that passion is static or dynamic? See, some of you live your life as if it's all static. Well, this is just how smart I am. This is just how untalented I am. This is just who I am. If you believe that the gifts and talents that God has placed in you are static, you will never live the life God created you to live. You have to understand they're dynamic. If you don't think you're smart enough, use all the intelligence you have and watch yourself get smarter. You don't get it yet. If you don't think you're talented enough, then use all the talent you have to serve others and watch your talent expand. See, if you think your life is too small, then take all the life you have and live it fully and watch your life get bigger. But you need to take ownership of what you have and what you've been given. You need to take ownership for your life and realize that God has given you the greatest gift of making you the resource. See, you are the talent. You are the resource. You are the gift. And what's in you, God placed in you so you can give it to the world. Huh. How do you break zero-sum value? One just decide to stop living for yourself and just live for one other person. Just live your life for one other person. In fact, you want to move your life at a zero sum value? Make a decision to live your life for that one person who created you, for that one who died for you, for the one who was crucified for you. If you will decide, Jesus, I will live my life for you. I will take all my gifts, my talents, my skills, my intellect, my passions, all that I have. And even if I don't think it's much, Jesus, I'm going to give it all to you. Let me show you what God does. When you give your life to the one 
He takes that one and adds it to all that zero sum value and makes you more than you could have ever hoped or imagined. There is so much in you waiting to be unleashed as a gift to the world around you. So get your shovel. Remember where you put it. Dig it back out of the ground and say, God, dusting myself off. I'm here. I'm yours. Do something with me. It changes the human condition. That writes a new story for the people around me. God, I believe that what you've placed in me is enough to do everything you created me to do. And when I need more, you're going to give me more because I was faithful with what you gave me. Would you just bow your head to me just for a moment? Just close your eyes. You may be here and the starting point for you is to cross the line of faith and give your life to Jesus. The starting point for you is to open up your heart and let Jesus give you forgiveness and freedom to pour into you his love and his life. If you're here today and you're done with zero some value, you're ready to believe that God created you for more. I want you to pray a simple prayer to give your life to Jesus right now. It's just one sentence. Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just, just whisper that to God. Jesus, I give you my life. If you'll do that right now, you and God are going to end up in a conversation that lasts forever. If you'll do that right now, if you'll cross this line of faith, your life will change forever. He's going to put that one in front of all those zeros and everything will change for you. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. If that's your prayer, I want to pray for you. I want this to be a defining moment in your life. If you just whispered that prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. I want you right now just to hold your hand up high and say, Erwin, that's me. This is my prayer. This is my declaration. This is my choice. Beautiful, beautiful. Anyone else? Right now, just hold your hand up high. I want to see you. Wonderful. Anyone else? Beautiful. Anyone else? Wonderful. Father, I thank you for those in this moment have opened their lives to you, have crossed that line of faith and made you Lord. God, I thank you for adding that one in front of all the zeros. God, I know their lives are just going to get bigger and bigger. You're going to expand the gifts and abilities inside of them. You're going to expand their influence and their impact. And Jesus, I thank you that in this moment you took their life and you gave them your life. May they breathe deeply of your love and of your forgiveness and your freedom. We thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just thank God for all those who responded to him? So good. So good. We're going to sing one more song. 
We have another gathering in just a few minutes. People coming in. It's going to be a great day. Five gatherings today for the first time in so long. And, and if you're here, don't leave yet. If you invited Jesus into your life, if you cross the line of faith, one of our pastors is going to come and give you just some instructions in a moment. And I just want to again challenge you guys. Be a part of this giving challenge. Let's create more space for more people to come to know the God who loves them. There's just too many people right now living zero-sum value lives. And it's time to add the one in front of all the zeros. And we can do that together. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received. Allow it to go deeply into your soul. To allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic. To go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation. To become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.